welcome back to the European show. This is episode five now and the Champions League is back. But because of the time that we're recording this, this week you're only going to hear about the Tuesday games because as we are recording this, the fright, the earlier games on the Wednesday are being played. So to join me, as always, is Nick. So as, as I said, the Champions League is back. So we'll first start with obviously the Tuesday games, but we'll start with the biggest game on Tuesday, which is by far PSG versus Borussia Dortmund. And what we saw here was the same thing that has been recurring for Dortmund in the opening four games of the Bundesliga season, which is the fact that they are just terrible and they are not able to attack in any way at all. And they got lucky at defending yesterday because they started five defenders. So it's just really, there's a lot of issues at Dortmund and kind of yesterday they they were exacerbated against a team that I know we've shat on PSG beforehand, but they have a lot of quality. Yeah, and they had more structure and creativity than, than Dortmund. I can't remember the last time I saw a, a supposedly big team playing that like lazily. It's not that they didn't have energy, they just didn't know how to be scary, right? And the entire game plan was like hoof it up, take it out wide, cross. Like that was just it every single time and it never looked scary. It, you, you never were like, damn, they might actually score this time because they're just whipping in crosses for no reason. Absolutely like, just, just as a manager, Terzic well and truly is just power of friendship and vibes and nothing else. Well, we did see was the fact that, as, as I mentioned, attacking-wise, there's nothing there. Dortmund's best player attacking-wise is Donja Marlin. And that's because he has this pace and this drive that most of this other Dortmund team are l- lacking at the moment or just don't have. Um, Karim Adeyemi has just been struggling throughout and hasn't really... He had this brief period of good form at the beginning of the year and then he got injured and he came back, he kind of showed it again, but then he just faded out, especially when it got to crunch time for Dortmund. And it's happened again. Now, Sebastian Haller had a really good second half of the season after he came back from cancer. But again, coming into this new season, he has not looked good at all. And Julian Brandt, who you could argue, apart from Jude Bellingham, was one of Borussia Dortmund's best players last season, um, has not looked like the player he was last season either. Obviously, you could scapegoat all this on the fact that they collapsed on the last day of the season and they're all experiencing this sort of hangover. I mean, and they also lost Bellingham. They're essentially one good player. But that's if you're an Edin Terzic supervisor. What the real issue is here (laughs) is the fact that Dortmund have not invested this Bellingham money in players to improve their attack. The fact that Edin, as, as I think I mentioned it before, Edin Terzic decided against signing Edson Alvarez and stuck with Emre Chan. Now, Emre Chan looks like he's fighting for his life in midfield every single game. They didn't sign a defender. And now they're stuck with three senior centre-backs and that is it. They're lacking a right-back. But as... And then attacking-wise, they only signed one attacker, and that's Nicholas Volkrug. They didn't sign anyone else. And it's been reported that they had the opportunity to sign 
Javi Simmons on loan, like what RB Leipzig have done. And you look at what R- what Javi Simmons is doing right now in RB Leipzig, and he would have been exactly what Borussia Dortmund need at the moment. But no, once again, Dortmund are quite stingy with their money and decided against the whole thing. And so now their ageing squad, because let's be honest, it's not really a squad that most of the players are in their prime. There's only a handful. This ageing squad hasn't been revitalised after a, a shocking end to the season, I think it's safe to say that. And it's really taking a hit on them now and they're just kind of feeling the the effects of it all. Obviously, we can't, as much as we don't like to do this, we, we do have to give PSG their props. They've obviously had some sort of teething issues in these opening games of Liga. But in this game, we saw Mbappe... Kala Moani and Dembele will play together at the same time and it works. Yeah, and I, I was particularly impressed by uh by Kala Moani. I thought he was like legitimately quite good. I mean like it's not like I thought he was a bad player before, but I think he he I mean he's quite good at football, but but not just that, like he understands quite well like uh, how to like link up with link up with his uh with his partners and how to really get the best out of uh after the other two in attack. And so, <clears throat> obviously, <laughs> I could be a cynic here and say it's just Bruce Dortmund who aren't good at all. That's why they did well. No, but we saw what they did because Dortmund were actually surprisingly good defensively, um, especially Nico Schlotterbeck. But obviously, if your defenders are your best players, in a way, you're not really doing something right, let's be honest. Because it, it's like when a goalkeeper makes a lot of saves. Great, he's made a lot of saves. But he shouldn't have had that chance in the first place to be making those saves if you're doing your job. And this is really the case for Dortmund. Um, So it's not really getting any better for Dortmund. And really, as we mentioned, when we looked over the Champions League groups, they're likely to be punished. But they have been given a bit of a let-off in this first game. As in the other game in this group, it saw Milan play Newcastle. And Milan would probably finish the game thinking they definitely should have won this game because they absolutely dominated Newcastle and just were unable to take their chances. Absolutely, um, I think uh, I think Rafael Leao in particular will be uh, will, will be hard uh, hard hit by this, considering well he had a fantastic game uh, and in one particular occasion he just decided to stroll through the entire Newcastle defense. Um, and he basically went messy mode, just dances past three, four defenders, has a good shot, and he's like, actually, I'm gonna cook one last defender, and then he effectively enough does get past him, but then like everyone else is already on top of him again, and he's and his his shot is obscured, which is unfortunate because he he would have a hundred percent scored. Uh, there's a few other occasions where uh, where Milan were quite dangerous, but some through some imprecise finishing or uh, holding on to the ball for too long didn't quite make it and I really I thought the whole game I was certain uh, an AC Milan uh, goal was coming but uh, but in the end Newcastle lucked out and defended quite well as well um, and they'll be more than happy to take out a point from, from San Siro well, All I'm going to say is Eddie Howe's going to hell with the way that I understand oh, you're in the Champions League and this is your first game so you're just going to sit back and defend but like mm. this is like we, we don't approve of Haram ball in this situation like, 
What are you going to do? I, I would never say no to her. Of course you wouldn't. Um, but obviously this, is, this isn't going to be a way that is going to help Newcastle qualify out of any of the groups. The, as we said, the only chance that they probably would have is if Dortmund continue to be terrible. But obviously what will be interesting is the next round of fixtures as Newcastle will probably face the bigger test now against a team that can't take their chances in PSG while Dortmund will play Milan. So, uh, the next... I, I legitimately don't think Dortmund make it out of this group, if I'm being honest. I'm, I'm, wait, hold on, hold on. I mean, that's, that's quite an easy statement to make. I legitimately don't think Dortmund will come above fourth. I, I still believe that, they, that Newcastle are the worst team in this group. And I, I believe Dortmund are going to somehow... You, your Bundesliga bias is outrageous. They're going to somehow finish third. They're not going to qualify with their group. They're too terrible. Um, they're going to finish third somehow. But that's as far as they're going to go. They'll probably just even end up losing in the playoff in the Europa League. Because they've shown no reason at all that they are good. You know, they've shown no reason that they've taken steps forward like a team that finished second in the league to do such a thing. Um, so, yeah. Now we'll look at Group H. Apart from, obviously, Group F, most of these games are quite boring, should I say. Not boring as in boring football, as in the matchups weren't as good. So, Group H saw Barcelona play Antwerp. Obviously, this is the second time now in two games that Barcelona scored five goals as they beat Antwerp 5-0. Nick will probably hate hearing this. Um, Jao Felix, obviously, was probably the man of the match as he scored twice and assisted once for Lewandowski. And obviously, at times last season, you kind of criticised Barcelona for the way they play. Obviously, now I think this is a lot different and I think Barcelona are a lot more attacking Obviously, you could say I was just Antwerp, but they they beat Betis five 0 last last weekend as well. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Xavi has learned that you can actually you know be dangerous when you have good players, uh, and so now that now they do look a lot better. And Joao Felix is doing his annual uh, play really well at the start of the season, and then kind of forget. Uh, I I do promise you, within two months he'll be injured. He'll be either injured or in bad form again. Um, but yeah, no, he he always starts well, and he's he's shown it again that he has quality. But uh, but not much beyond that really, um, but no, I I mean yeah, Barcelona looked good. It is just Antwerp, but fair enough. Mm, what was the other game in the group actually? It was Shakhtar Donetsk versus Porto. The only notable thing about this game was that it was played in Hamburg. Porto won three one. Um, obviously, this is likely going to be Barcelona and Porto fighting it out for first place. Group E, first game in this group saw Feyenoord beat Celtic two 0 Celtic had two men sent off and Feyenoord could have scored more than two. They had a goal ruled out for offside and they also missed a penalty. Um, it looks like Celtic have not improved in any way at all. And it looks like they will be finishing last in this group because um, obviously Feyenoord have proven that they are no team to be messed with. But now in this other group, or this other game in this group, it's the unthinkable has happened, but the unthinkable that everyone likes to see. So, in this game, Athletic Madrid take the lead in the first half. With a, with a def- like scrawny deflection goal 
from like outside the box as well. It wasn't particularly impressive. You think they then see out the game because this is Diego Simeone. This is like what he does. And then Lazio go down the end, have an attack. It's then um, goes out for a corner. Then the goalkeeper comes up. And then the goalkeeper ends up heading in an equaliser in this game to rescue a point for Napoli, or Lazio, I mean. It's really over to you, Nick, for what you have to say about this whole situation. Well, I mean, it's just the most Atletico thing that could happen, really. Just Atletico has been in such bad form. They lost last weekend 3-0 against Valencia, just playing completely dreadfully. And uh, just really, they, they didn't look particularly good in this, uh, in this game. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the one goal came from uh, Pablo Barrios just kind of saying, inshallah, and smacking the ball from outside the box. And it just happened to hit a defender and go in. But um, but other than that, there was there was little danger. Griezmann's not been at his best. Koch is injured. Lemar is injured. There's there's so little progression of the ball and so little kind of advancement into dangerous areas. Um, and I mean, Lazio also weren't particularly amazing. But I mean, if you let Lazio attack on and on, uh, that does happen. And the goal came because uh, of a pretty poor clearance. So the corner comes in and then. Uh, the ball gets cleared out, but instead of like out to the side like you would if you were like normal, uh, the, the the ball was cleared like straight back out into the center, and then um, no way, well, yeah, it just put back in, and there's just a one meter ninety tall goalkeeper for some reason standing unmarked in the middle of the box, uh, and they just heads the ball in, but yeah, and this is particularly bad news for Liddy. I mean, okay, objectively, uh, getting a draw away from home isn't that horrible, but Pablo Barrios did get injured. Uh, in this game, and the Madrid derby is coming up next weekend. Um, Barrios was the only remaining actually good player in the squad. I mean, other than, I guess, Griezmann, who's not performing right now. So, it's not looking good for, for Atleti. Um, so, obviously, this obviously this is the first match day, so I can't really say such a thing like that, that this group is wide open. Um, but, obviously, this that first result for Feyenoord, and the, because of the result in the Lazio game, it's obviously a big boost for them finally we have group G Manchester City's group so earlier game was Young Boys versus RB Leipzig Leipzig took an early lead but then Young Boys got back into it and equalised but then Leipzig kind of like took over in the second up um, they took the lead for Javes Slager and then Benjamin Sheshko who is yet to start for Leipzig comes on and he scored again and so Obviously, we've mentioned this before. As much as you can hate on Leipzig, <clears throat> they play very good football. And the standout for this game was Xavi Simmons, who could have also had a penalty with quite an odd decision. Um, the penalty could have... Some would argue that it could go either way, but others would argue it's a clear penalty for Leipzig, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and then in the other game, Manchester City beat Red Star Belgrade 3-1. What's interesting about this game is the fact that Leip or Manchester City actually went a goal down <laughs> against Leipzig. Um, but obviously this is Manchester City. They weren't going to stay down for long. And in the second half, they were able to com comfortably turn it around and win 3-1. Bearing in mind, they'd actually just peppered Leip uh, Man uh, Red Star's goal and they had 37 shots. <laughs> and so it was kind of like... They were bound to score eventually, and obviously, they ended up did score, scoring. So, um, we're now going to have our break, 
and then we'll be back with the games of the weekend. back from our break we'll now look at the games from the weekend so we'll first start with the Bundesliga where we had first versus second Bayern Munich versus Bayern Leverkusen this was a big game for Leverkusen to kind of like see if they're actual contenders or if they're pretenders and they kind of like passed the test really um, it, it finished 2-2 and 2-2 was a fair result um, both teams definitely had their fair share of chances where they could have actually won the game if it wasn't for other reasonings. Um, Harry Kane opened the scoring with a header, which for for Leverkusen could have easily been avoided. Um, it was like a bit of a mistake um, when defending a corner and he was kind of left open at the back post. Um, and then Leverkusen equalised through Alex Grimaldo, who we obviously have seen before what Grimaldo can do from a dead ball his time at Benfica and he showed that he he obviously can still do it but it was a big use to Leverkusen in this game both teams look like they, they could win and then Leon Goretzka scores in the 86th minute to look like he has equalised or get or won the game for Bayern should I say and then in the 94th minute Upa Makano gives a oh no it wasn't Upa Makano it was Alfonso Davies he gives away a penalty to equal up to allow Ezekiel Palacios, who did score two penalties in the game that got Julian Nagelsmann sacked as Bayern manager back last season, he scored a penalty to equalise for Leverkusen to make it 2-2. So both of these teams remain undefeated and obviously Leverkusen have shown that they can go toe-to-toe with Bayern. So I think we've seen what Xabi Alonso is doing. He is cooking and... He has significantly improved Leverkusen and I will stand firm by the fact that I have full faith in Leverkusen to dethrone Bayern Munich. Um, obviously, we mentioned them earlier on. Borussia, in fact, still on Bayern Munich, as much as I am a Bayern hater, they are just a terrible team. Obviously, that's Thomas Tuchel's football. During Thomas Tuchel's time at Dortmund, or not Dortmund, Bayern Munich, he has not. Bayern have not looked like an impressive team whatsoever. They, they have genuinely, genuinely, not looked like a good team at all. They don't look like a, the type of team that we actually saw under Julian Nagelsmann. You know, the team that will dominate a game and be ruthless in some degree and take their chances and stuff. We're not seeing this here. They play the most boring football manager. Um, imaginable and the only reason why they are winning games is because obviously they have more quality when they play teams that are better than or the same quality as them or better than them such as Leverkusen or Leipzig they get easily like they do not win these games but when they play teams of lesser quality obviously they win because the quality of players are better so again Tuchel is not the right manager for Bayern going forward and he just doesn't look they don't look like a, a team that will either contend for the Champions League or even run away with the Bundesliga um, I mentioned them beforehand, Borussia Dortmund they won at the weekend against Freiburg 
I would admit that they probably got lucky in some aspects of it, but the fact that Freiburg went a man down, um, and it kind of allowed Dortmund to take control of the game in the latter half, and Freiburg have kind of lost their defensive nous that they used to have, and they don't look like as solid a team as they have previously been, um, which is a bit of an issue for them. Um, but again, Dortmund, as I said, they experienced the exact same issues that they did against uh, PSG. Uh, Leipzig beat Augsburg 3-0. Uh, Simmons, Javi Simmons and Lois Appender both scored. They are by far the um, some of the star signings of the whole Bundesliga this season. And they've you would you genuinely looking at Leipzig play, you wouldn't know that they have lost four of their best players. They've seemed to seamlessly replace them and the transition between all of them has been quite smooth and as I said before, especially when they play Bayern Munich soon, they're probably going to be able to tear them apart as well. And so at the weekend we have Bruce Dortmund versus Wolfsburg, RB Leipzig are playing Bruce Mitchell Gladbach and Bayern Munich are playing Bochum. Uh, we'll now look at Syria, where we had the Milan Derby. Obviously, this game is normally quite a tight affair, like all derbies are. Not this one. Um, it finished 5-1 to Inter. They they swept away Milan quite comfortably, especially because Milan looked like a strong team in the opening few games of Serie A, and they looked like they turned a corner, and their new signings were really improving them as a team. They absolutely got torn apart, especially by um, Henrik Mkhitaryan, uh, Marcus Tarambles has scored, so did Hakan Chalanoglu. And it just kind of goes to show what M- Milan have done, Inter have done and again, really. Obviously, we've spoken about this probably a year or so ago when they lost the likes of Lukaku. It was longer than that. They lost Lukaku, Hakimi, Antonio Conte, and they replaced them, and they went on to win the Coppa Italia. And now they've lost the likes of albeit older players, the likes of Dzeko, um, Rozovic, as well as Milan Skunia and Andre Onana. And they've just kind of been able to comfortably replace them. And it hasn't really seen... In fact, they you could argue that now they are a better team, despite the fact that, that was those players were a key part of a team that reached the Champions League final. Um, but I think for, for Milan, this is most likely a... It's just a blip. I highly doubt they're going to be experiencing negative consequences from this loss. Um, and it doesn't show like issues surrounding them uh, or deep issues surrounding them, for example, with the likes of Dortmund. So uh, I, they'll probably just go on to win the next game anyway. Um, Juventus beat Lazio 3 1. Um, Chiesa scored and Dusan Vlahovic scored twice as well. It's a comfortable win for Juventus and it sees them into seconds, two points behind Inter, who are the only unbeaten team left in the league. And then Roma, they won their first game of the season. They were playing Empoli, who are last, and they beat them 7-0. Obviously, which is surprising because it's Jose Mourinho, but this is... You could clutch at straws here and say it's because Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku started together for the first time. Um, Dybala scored twice, Lukaku scored once and you could argue that this is the start of something for Roma where they're finally going to turn a corner and become a good team. 
I, I do think that, uh, we've discussed this earlier, Mourinho is a little bit washed. Um, and Empoli isn't the craziest team, right? So, um, I, I, I do think, I mean, I, I don't think Roma will be, like, terrible and just throw away the whole season, right? Uh, but I also don't think that this is the beginning of, like, a crazy 10-game win streak. And they're going to go top of the table. I think they're going to stay being, like, quite mid, right? And um, I don't think it's crazy to think that, like, yeah... Uh, through this, they can um, they can like prevent themselves from going into free fall, sure. But it's it's not going to be crazy, uh, shall we say? So at the weekend we have Milan play Hellas Verona, Juventus play Sassuolo, and then Inter play Empoli. We also have goal about Napoli. Napoli do their game two two against Genoa. Um, obviously Napoli. They're still there, you know, they're still around the top four, but obviously they are not as dominant as they were last season. So now we will have our anthem break and then we'll be back with Liga. Welcome back from our anthem break. You just heard the PSG anthem. So Nick, what do you rate it out of ten? It's quite nice. Uh, it's fun and it's exciting. I guess it's not the most interesting, and it has about as much history as the club itself, as much culture as the club itself. So it's not the most impressive. But I'll give it a six out of ten. It's fine. It started off well, but then when you get to the main chorus of it all, it's it's really generic. Um, so now talking of PSG, they lost at the weekend. They they lost 3-2 to Nice. Whether that was deserved or not. Attacking-wise, probably not, but they did dominate the ball. But if you can dominate the ball as much as you like, but if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but what has been highlighted in these opening few games is PSG's heavy, heavy reliance on Mbappe. Um, he has been their main goal scorer. He's, he's the top goal scorer in Liga with seven, ga- seven goals. And... Without his goals, PSG would only have won one game, and that's against Lyon, which obviously Lyon aren't the best of teams at the moment either. So, obviously we saw how they played against Dortmund. Um, they clearly had some teething issues playing under Luis Enrique in these opening few games. Um, whether those will continue now is obviously shall be seen, because... At the weekend, they play Marseille, who are on the same points as them, but oh no, they're one point ahead and one place above PSG in fourth. So this is again probably the biggest test for PSG. Um, if they can comfortably win, then there's nothing to worry about. But if they do struggle again, then there's stuff to be worried about. Bearing in mind Marseille have sacked their manager or their manager has left, so. 
this would be classic PSG if they end up losing such a thing. I mean, to be fair, does Marseille might be on a new manager bounce. So if there's one game Marseille win, it could be this one. Then Monaco, who are currently top, drew against Lorient. And as we said, Marseille, they play to lose and well, they played to lose in June 0-0. Uh, Monaco, who are currently top, as we said, against are in the derby against their rivals Nice in the south. Um, and so now we will look at La Liga. Indeed. Um, I mean, as I mentioned before, uh, Atletico lost three against Valencia. I mean, there's not much to say. Atletico just played really, really badly. Some dreadful defending and a lack of energy. Valencia were all right themselves, but not like insanely crazy. They just happened to be considerably less bad than Atleti. Um Other big results, Barcelona smacked Betis 5-0. Um, as you alluded to earlier, they, they really have been on like a good uh, well, offensive streak. They, they did realize that with the talent they have in the squad, they can do more than just kind of say they're on half a bit. Um, Joao Felix had a good debut with a, with a nice goal, uh, tight finish. Lewandowski is, is cooking again after um, he slumped a bit uh, towards the end of last season and the beginning of, of this one. He scored and got two, two quite nice assists. Um, and we saw Joao Cancelo playing quite well as well. Jack is a renowned hater, but... Uh, but he's doing really well for, for Barcelona. He had a good game in Champions League as well. And, and this was his... Uh, actually, sorry, I lied. Joe Felix didn't have his debut. Uh, but it was his first time in the starting eleven. Same with uh, Cancelo, who also scored. Um, and yeah, I mean, overall, they they swept aside um, a Betis side that is really not bad. Um, I mean, they haven't gone off to the strongest start ever. But you definitely wouldn't have expected uh, this result to begin with. Then uh, we saw Sevilla win, incredibly enough, and keep a, and keep a clean sheet. Uh, Ramos did return to, uh, to his old club, uh, and this may have helped their defensive prospects quite a bit. Uh, also, <laughs> quite funny, right? Um, the Las Palmas players missed their plane to Sevilla <laughs> the day before. Uh, as with most teams, they were going to go to Sevilla a day earlier and train their... Um, Get, kind of get get a feel for for the for the for the away stadium and all of that, uh, and so they missed their plane to get there, or, or at least eleven of or some, or seventeen of the players did, uh, and so most of the team arrived, didn't have the time to train, and they just kind of went in cold turkey into this game. Um, it's one of the stupidest ways to, I mean, put yourself as a, a, a disadvantage. Not that uh, Las Palmas have been very good even when they've had the time to train, anyways, this season, but. Uh, it does make for a funny story. Uh, then Real Madrid won um, 2-1. They had a, a strong comeback against um, Real Sociedad, who have been flying at the moment. Um, we saw Fran Garcia uh, really pick up a stellar, uh, stellar performance after um, kind of questions if he really was a notable player that deserved to be at Real Madrid. And he kind of showed everyone that, yeah, he can, actually can do really quite well. Um, I think I mentioned right. Well, I mean, as in case I hadn't mentioned earlier, he did get two assists. Um, we also saw Jose Lu score, so he can he can do his job. He can he can score. He can get in the box. He can use his head. Um, and it, I mean, it's not the first time he's scored this season, and we're we're seeing that really he's. I mean, I don't think he's a like a world class number nine, right? But uh, especially with the service he gets, uh, he can definitely put put the ball in the back of the net, right? 
and so um he he's doing fine right now and and Real Madrid have a a target man who 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 they can rely on when uh their other strikers are injured which they don't have other strikers I guess but uh, when the other offensive players are injured um Bellingham of course played well because when does he not play well he's just he is that guy he just controls the entire midfield he controls everything he just makes the whole game flow it, it, he's, he's just a different level of player I was having this conversation with someone the other day Jack uh, I don't know if you would agree with me but I I legitimately think that right now um Be- Bellingham is comfortably top three best players in the world right now and considering the brown is injured he's not second or third i mean i don't think it's a wild claim because if you really think about it and look at really the everyone else is performing in the world right now apart from output wise mbappe probably the only one that's close to him i mean he's not a midfielder though, exactly so if we're talking midfielders i think that's a valid claim because obviously the point is injured and no other midfielders really matching with what he is doing right now especially at the level that he is at so yeah I, I think it, this could maybe it's part of bias as well but I think comfortably at, at this current moment Bellingham is the best midfielder in the world obviously this is talking about form I mean I think quality as well I, I think he legitimately just is that good every other midfielder is on their best day I think he's definitely in the top five but at this but at this current moment, talking about form, he's absolutely number one. Um, and I think you could definitely even put him top three for just best in the world right now. If we're, again, talking about form. Because the only people that could match with what he is doing output-wise, as I said, is Haaland and Mbappe. And they're strikers. And I just think that just shows you how much more impressive it is that he, what he's actually doing at the moment. The fact that he's able to come in and just basically integrate straight away into Dortmund and look like he's been part of the team for the past three years um, not, that's not normal in, in a good yeah absolutely uh, and yeah that was that was La Liga those were um, the most important games in La Liga unless you are uh, a, a, a Granada fan in that case uh, you lost 4-2 against Girona but I don't think there's too many Granada diehard fans listening to this podcast so uh, that uh, Real Madrid are going to play uh, Atleti and Atleti is playing terribly. Their only good remaining player is injured. Koke is returning from injury, so it's fine. But um, and obviously Real Madrid are doing really quite well, especially with we've just had an at length discussion about do they have the best midfield in the world right now? And the answer is probably yes. So I don't think it looks very good for Atleti, but uh, who knows what can happen? But uh, yeah, also Ajax are not good. Ajax are really not good. As someone who's currently living in, in, in Amsterdam, seeing Ajax sit 12th in the table with, with five points, with five points in four games, the mood here is not good. Um, this weekend they lost uh, 3-1 against Twente. Um, Ajax's only goal came from Brian Brobby, who was violently racially abused in the stadium because people in Enschede in Twente are like just country bums. Um, Twente just decided to pick apart this horrible Ajax defense because just truly there's there's nothing good going for um for Ajax right now um they've sold all their players they sold that they got rid of their manager over a season ago they just decided to just get rid of everyone they're like oh yep you know what timber was good get rid of timber uh you kudos uh, you know what we can sell kudos whatever there's no one left in this team it's just like Bobby who's quite good uh, and then that's just like well they both bon- they, they got Bonasosa who's also quite good and he actually assisted this game 
like got, got the assist for the only goal this game. But that's it. No one else in this team has quality. It's one thing to be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to like make young talents and develop them and then just sell them for a bunch of money. But then you have to replace them with something, even if it's more young talents. Right now, it's just young pieces of wood. None of them can do anything. It's really tough to watch. But uh, yeah, um, then Azad Alkmaar is currently first in the table, well, tied with PSV, which is very exciting. I've, I've been rooting for Azad Alkmaar for a while because I think it would just, just be interesting to see them win the league uh, for once. Oh, yeah, and Feyenoord had a crazy game. Feyenoord is still on fire from, from last season. They smacked Hreinvin, uh 6-1 because they can just do that, I guess. And, I mean, yeah, they, they, they have a good team. They've had a good team for, uh, for quite a while now. PSV won 4-0 as well against Nijmegen, but that's not too difficult. And so, yeah, that was uh, the European football for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Please like us, follow us, subscribe, do whatever you have to do, and we will be back next week. Also, a little, for a little bit of context, Jack and I are currently watching uh, Union Berlin versus uh, Real Madrid, which is why we can't really comment on many of the Champions League games right now, but it's it's a halftime and it's quite funny that Union Berlin have been able to just hole up in their own box and just create more danger than Real Madrid have. Those are my impressions after 45 minutes. Mm-hmm.